Hello, and welcome to this episode of Consumers, Cars, Tech Talk, and More with me, your host, Phil Scott. Today, I'm honored to have as my guest, race car driver and engineer, Sabre Cook. So without further delay, let's speak to Sabre. So first of all, Sabre, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on. Um, I've been looking forward to this. So first of all, I would like to go over a list of your accomplishments so far in your career. Um, so first of all, when I talk about your, um, your entry into the W series, now you were in the inaugural season of the W series, correct? Yes, I was. And you were one of 18 drivers in that series. So that's a pretty select group of young ladies. Also, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also you were the, in 2018, you were the Infinity Engineering Academy um, winner. That, that was 2018. Uh, some of the other things you've accomplished, you were an eight times Colorado state champion. Um, you were a 2012 Supercarts USA two times, I, I believe, or S2 national champion. And Another one that really impressed me too, you were the first female to qualify for a KZ World Championship main event. And Saber, the list goes on and on and on and on. So first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, um, where you grew up, where you went to school, and how you got started into racing? Uh, yeah, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um... So I was actually, I was born, um, my father and my mother used to run supercross events because my dad used to race motorcycles professionally, like motocross and supercross. And they used to run, um, local supercross events. And my mom actually ended up having to be taken to the hospital from one of those events that they were having to give birth to me. Um, and my dad obviously went with her. So straight from the supercross track to, wow. to the hospital and I was born and then, uh, my, my mom and my father didn't they didn't want my brother and I getting into motorcycle racing so they got us into karting um, when I was about eight years old and my dad and his uh, his brother and uh, a couple of investors they ended up building a karting track and so I grew up most of my childhood running around this karting track in Grand Junction Colorado is where I grew up uh, the karting track is still there still an amazing track and is was one of the, I think one of the best um, karting tracks in the U.S. So I'm uh, very lucky to have, to have been raised there. Um, I grew up and, and was raised, uh, like I said, in Grand Junction, went to Fruit Monument High School, and then I went on to go to Colorado School of Mines um, in Golden, Colorado for my undergraduate and uh, graduated from there in 2017 with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering and uh, all while continuing to race um, carts from the time I was eight years old and then obviously progressed into more, uh, like, like you mentioned, more national, international categories as I got older right. and then um, continued to, to race carts up until I was 22. And finally, I, I mean, that's very late to make the transition to cars, but I, uh, I just, I never had the sponsorship and the funding enough to move into a full season or, or anything in cars. So I was, you know, still getting to that limit, like about ready to give up hope. And then I was able to, to get someone behind me and uh, had my first car race in 2017 in April 
um, just before I turned 23. So getting the the sponsorship is huge in racing, isn't it? I mean, and it's not particularly easy to do. <laughs> no, if it was easy, uh, then uh, this would be a much different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just and I've, I've heard stories about other drivers that that have just kind of gone through the process of trying to get sponsors and then to finally get into racing. And one really inspiring story for me just recently was the winner of the Daytona 500. How many, okay, I guess he raced over 300 some odd races in NASCAR before he finally won a race. And it just happened to be the Daytona 500. So I mean, <laughs> well, it's just it's kind of a crazy race. To, oh, yeah. To, yeah. To I was to watching, win, I guess, like that. Yeah. Well, I was the, watching the, the finish was insane. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was watching the finish and I was, I mean, I was really, gosh, it must have been like the last 20 or so laps I was watching and I was like, wow, how is this going to end? Because you, you hear the commentators go back and forth about how they thought it, it might turn out. And yeah. they, they had mentioned about, things happening on the last lap of the race well sure enough something happened on the last lap of the race <laughs> it's like oh something. my gosh i couldn't i couldn't believe that finish and it yeah, seems it was, it was impressive yeah it seems to me well i guess of, maybe not impressive a little scary but yeah <laughs> you know yeah obviously always concerned for the drivers but uh, i'm glad that it, it turned out okay for and it would seem to me and you would know this far better than me but it seemed to me but there's a lot there's a lot of skill absolutely a lot of skill in racing but there's a little bit of luck too yeah there can be i mean it's obviously you, you can't control what other people are going to do so um i like uh, i like dr delaire's um theory on that i don't i'm not sure if you know uh dr dr delaire he's um, an amazing mental and performance coach and he has this uh this equation basically he's like a times b equals c and a is like the things that you can do and you can control and like B is everything else you can't control and C equals the results. So sometimes like obviously the Daytona 500 finish this year was a really prime example of that. You can't control if someone runs into the back of you and right. takes the chance of winning away on the last lap. So. Right. Yeah. That was, I, I felt kind of bad for the other drivers that just got knocked out of that race too. Now yeah. Saber, uh, I'd like for you to tell me about, um, cause it, you were literally, and figuratively, you are born into racing. So, and I think that's an amazing story that you just shared. Like, I, I never would have guessed that. So that's pretty amazing. Um, but would you tell me, because for, for me, it's even equally impressive that you have a degree in mechanical engineering. What was that program like for you to go through that? Um, it was, uh, it was extremely grueling, um, for sure. I, so Colorado School of Mines is, I think it's still, it's still considered the top public engineering college in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it is known, it, it has a reputation for, um, being extremely hard on its students. Um, they, their kind of goal is to weed you out in the first two 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 years really mm -hmm. and we have like a a, a drop okay could you repeat that last part you you kind of dropped out there you said you were talking about a dropout rate oh can you hear me yeah now i can hear you there you go so you were talking about a dropout okay. rate sorry that's okay 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, so they, they're known they're they have a very, very high reputation for being a, a very challenging school. Um, but they really, really, um, we do get a lot of people that, that are weeded out essentially in the first two years because they, they like to push you so, so much. Um, but I took that as a challenge and I made it through obviously. And, um, it was, it was definitely challenging, but you just learn how to manage, you know, those difficult times and manage the schedule and get very good at time management. Um, so it was, it was challenging, but it was an amazing experience. And I am one of those people that just enjoys learning. So I, I really loved, I, I loved school since I was young mm-hmm. and it was, uh, honestly, I, I, I miss school sometimes. Like I wish I could go back and, and, and do more of it. Um, so it was, it was a great experience and I had a lot of amazing, um, classmates as well as professors that actually, they, some of them actually worked in the motorsports industry and, and I, I was a beautiful, it's a small campus. And so it was like, and it's in the mountains a bit. So it's, it was just an awesome place to be able to go to school. Tell us a little bit about your involvement in the W series and cause it sounds like it's, it's very competitive. Um, like I said, you're one of 18 drivers, I believe. And yes. um, so it's, it's, it seems like it's, it's very competitive. And I like the fact that it's all female. And so you, you get to um, share your experiences with other women and tell us what that's been like for you. Yeah. My experience with W series has been amazing. Um, I, it couldn't have come for me at a better time because I was moving over to, to, the UK anyways because of the Infinity Engineering Academy and I went to work for Infinity and Renault F1 so it was like perfectly paired with that same that same time that I was based over there um, in 2019 and it is very competitive like you said because um, we you know we started out at the first year they they extended a lot of uh, they chose who they were going to ask to basically apply and then sort of got these 60 women from all over the world and we went through you know grueling days of evaluations and tests and and just everything you can imagine like physical mental presentation driving like everything teamwork uh, in milk austria at the beginning of 2019 and that narrowed us down to i think from 60 it was to 28 Mm -hmm. and then those 28 we went to uh spain in i think a month later and did uh three days in a in the, in the w series f3 cars and so we then what happened is there's only 18 active spots available for the season so we competed there was um 12 of us that got chosen um for a confirmed spot after the first two days and then the other girls had to shoot out for the last six last six remaining spots mm-hmm. um and then there was two reserve drivers that also got chosen for the first year as well so it was, it was a crazy, you know, it, it was actually a really amazing experience though. Um, it was challenging, but it was, it was so awesome to be a part of and being able to meet that many female racers that share that same passion as you was something completely new for all of us because, you know, normally we're either the only female or we're one of like 
maybe two, three, if we're very lucky that there, you know, there's more females on the grid. So right. it's uh, it was a cool experience. And then obviously the season was the first season with DT, or alongside DTM was amazing. Went to great tracks. Like it was my first full season in, in um, you know, in a car that I, you know, cause I'd done, like I tried to do, you know, like semi-professional professional racing, like just a few races here and there. Cause I couldn't get the budget to ever run a full season. Mm-hmm. And so having that for me for the first time was amazing and um experiencing those that european lifestyle of racing was was really really cool um i finished in the top 12 so then automatically qualified again for 2020 but then COVID happened and, and that all went virtual and we didn't end up racing in real life last year so now i i will be racing this year as well in 2021 and they've announced um six new drivers that will come and join us top 12 as well now i'm glad you mentioned COVID because that was going to be my next question um, when, when th- that whole thing came down last year, that that's affected just everybody worldwide, but especially the racing series, um, and you being a new racer in, in that particular series, um, what was that whole thing like for you and the other racers just having, and the other people associated with the series, what was that ex- experience like, and what does it look like now coming out on the other side of it? Um, wait, so what do you, do you mean, what was the experience like with the esports racing or? Well, no, just, just, well, well, that plus mainly just, what was it? Was it just kind of, were you really frustrated by what was happening and were other drivers and other people associated just kind of bummed out that things happened the way they did with the COVID situation? Uh, I mean, absolutely. Everyone was obviously not pleased that we couldn't go racing. <laughs> I think it would be it would be very rare if, if you know a racer was not sad that they couldn't go racing. So um, people were obviously disappointed, but um, they we I think we all understood um, that that was the best option for W Series last year, and you know they did an amazing job at coming up with a solution and, and letting us do the esports racing and um, just kind of keeping the W series name alive and just trying to make sure it was like the safest, most realistic situation for everyone. So um, yeah, it was, it was a bummer that we didn't get to race in real life, but now, you know, we're coming back in 2021 and it's going to be not, you know, not only coming back, but we're coming back alongside F1 and we're going to some like super iconic tracks and it's just going to be, even I think even more amazing than than the first season was, which is going to be like it's it's hard to even comprehend that it, that it's going to be better. So I'm I'm really excited for it. Right now, I wanted to ask you you you've raced at a, a, a number of different levels of racing, um, driving the cars that you're driving now um, in the W series. Um, how does it compare, especially speed wise and handling wise, to the other cars that you've driven in, in other series? Uh, I guess that's, that could be a very long answer because I've driven a lot of different cars. <laughs> um, right. I guess, um, I mean, the, the, obviously the, well, I just, I guess I'll just compare like biggest differences. Like it's an open wheel car. So obviously learning to utilize a downforce, especially more than other smaller formula cars I've had to drive as well as, you know, it has a turbo. So just being prepared for any sort of turbo lag and, um, using that to your advantage, um, understanding um how to you know maximize uh, the different tires compared to like if i was in like a you know different compound on in a cup car or in the mm-hmm. mx5 car that i raced so it's i guess it that's that's a there's a lot of differences but um 
it, it depends just depends like if you want to be to compare two cars that would be easier but there's been so many that i've been in it's it's kind of hard to just give you a short answer for that one but i guess with the open wheel stuff it is just learning how to um, maximize maximize the downforce and then the braking it's all about being efficient on that initial hit on the pedal and um, being efficient on on how you lead off the brakes and using the the arrow to really really make sure the entries and the corners are um, at the limit all right well we're going to take our first break and on the other side of the break um you mentioned teamwork earlier and i'm going to ask you about that i'm going to ask you to go into a little more detail in that because that's that's an important aspect of racing so we're going to take a quick break but we'll be right back with more consumers cars tech talk and more with me your host phil scott and my guest saber cook and we'll be right back Welcome back to Consumers, Cars, Tech Talk, and more with me, your host, Phil Scott. And my guest today is Saber Cook. So Saber, back to our interview, I wanted to ask you about teamwork. You mentioned teamwork in the last segment of the show. And teamwork is an important part of racing, especially with the pit crew. Um, explain from your perspective how important teamwork is be before when you're prepping for a race and during a race as well? Um, I mean, teamwork is obviously extremely critical. Uh, I mean, once you're out there as a driver, you, you are like, it is in your hands, but um, in preparation before you need to really build good communication with your engineers, with your mechanics, um, all be on the same page, like be kind of, you know, build a bond with them and understand that you, you know, you want to work towards the, the ultimate goal of, of, of having a great race delivering a great result and having that reliability and then just understanding what they expect from you and what you expect from them and just being very transparent and very open very willing to, to work and, and communicate with them in whatever way they need um so just yeah building building that relationship early on and then trusting that they you know that they you have the right people in your corner and that they're going to do their jobs to the best of their ability and you're, now it's just up to you to, to deliver on doing your best on the track and, and trusting that they can they can uh, be responsible for their specialty areas. Yes. Now, I'd like you to, because you, you've driven so many different types of cars and on many types of tracks, do you have a, a, a favorite type of track that, that you like to drive on, especially to race on? And which ones do you, in your opinion, for you, are the most challenging to drive on and why? Because I know there are road courses and then there are just regular oval tracks and so, so forth. So which ones for you, in your opinion, are the most challenging to drive on and why? Or which ones may be your favorite even? Um, so I've, I've never raced on just an oval. Um, I did race the Daytona road course a couple of weeks ago, but that, you know, that doesn't, isn't, um, we do part of the oval, but we don't do just, I've never done just the oval. Right. Um, but I, I think, I mean, they're each, each of them obviously have their own unique challenges to them. Mm -hmm. 
the street courses can be challenging because obviously there's there's very small room for error and uh you know there's if you you know hit the apex or just a little too close you know you're hitting a wall so right it's uh it that in that respect that can be difficult but um, i actually really enjoy street courses um I think it's because I did a few of them when I was in my karting days, and I really enjoyed racing at Norris Ring in 2019. Um, I think ones I enjoy most um, that I, out of the tracks that I've raced on, um, I really like, um, I mean, I like Mid-Ohio because it's, it's, you know, it's an American track and I enjoy that. The first time I drove Watkins Glen was amazing, um, but Brands Hatch, I would have to say, was so cool to race on so i think that's probably top for me right now mm -hmm. um that might change after going into racing on these amazing tracks we're gonna we have the chance to this year um as far as tracks that i find the most difficult i would have to say that coda is one of the hardest tracks to drive um not because it's physically hard or you know like it's it's scary it's so hard to get that you know, the section from, well, basically gauging, you know, that elevation change and how much a car is going to slow down and change with that going into turn one. But mm -hmm. the hardest part is getting that rhythm right in into the next section, like out of turn two into the, you know, the S's that go all the way up into turn eight, nine. That section right there is extremely difficult because it's not really like traditional S's. It's like, uh, it's not, it's like almost just like a bunch of corners very close together. Cause you're not, you know, you're not accelerating through the S's, right? Like on a right. karting track, typically the S's you're either breaking all the way through them or accelerating all the way through them. But with the, with Coda, it's like, you kind of like accelerate and, and you've got this like weird, it's, all, it's basically just like a bunch of corners all smushed together. And it's like a rhythm section in like say motocross or supercross. Mm -hmm. And if you get off, on one of the rhythms, like it makes it very hard to, to get it back in the, in the end of that combination of corners. So for me, that track is extremely challenging. It sounds like it's very physically demanding as well. Um, I think it depends on what car you're in. Um, it definitely, if you have more downforce, um, it can, I don't think, I mean, Coda, if you, if you do, if you're driving a high, downforce car at Coda, it will definitely be physically challenging. Um, I drove it in a Formula Mazda a few weeks back and that's not not really physically challenging and, and it probably wouldn't be so much either in like a, you know, a cup car or a, or a sports car type. So it's just, it really just depends on what car you're in. Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, growing up, who were your role models and who do you admire now in racing and do you feel for you do you feel it's important to be a great role model for girls and women but for other drivers in the sport yeah so i guess growing up um i was very i looked up to what you know my dad a lot because you know he'd been through i mean it wasn't obviously the karting in the car area but he went through it on the motocross supercross side of things and so i really looked up and admired like what he could teach me from from his experiences. And um, I also looked up to a, a former carter, his name's Alan Rudolph. And then as I learned more about, you know, the F1 legends um, and heard about Jim Clark's story, and then obviously Art and Senna, they were like, uh, you know, like these gods in my eyes, like very, um, 
iconic and, and I just admired what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, once I learned about the stories, it was later on in life that I learned about, you know, Janet Guthrie's story and Lindsay James and Shirley. I learned about Shirley Modowney actually, like when I was younger, but just hearing their stories was also very inspiring. And especially with Janet, because she's, um, she's an engineer too. So I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just didn't know about her until, until later in life, but it's, it's really, I, I hope I get to meet her one day. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting Lynn and she's um, obviously an inspiration to a lot of women. And it, I really admire what she did back in the day. Um, I guess now uh, current drivers, uh, that's tough. Um, I don't know. I guess like the, I mean, in IndyCar, uh, Scott Dixon is obviously the man right now. And it's mm-hmm. amazing that he's continuing to put in really, really top performances, no matter how old he gets. So <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm, I'm very um, admire, admi- it's very admirable what he's doing right now. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, you got to appreciate what Hamilton's done in F1. I mean, I get he's in a good car and everything, but you still have to appreciate what, what, uh, what he's created it no matter what team he's been with. Now, what advice would you give to a young girl going through school, maybe even elementary or high school? And uh, what and they they want to get to where you're at and they want to be an engineer at some point, a mechanical engineer. What advice would you give a young girl? Uh, a young girl um, wanting to be an engineer, I would tell them, obviously, get get really acquainted with math, <laughs> because that's going to be your life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can, start learning, you know, some coding languages as, as early on. There's so much, um, there's so many resources out there now, and it's so easy to find things online um, and like join, you know, if you can, there's, there's a lot of STEM initiatives out there and a lot of STEM classes available for young girls. Um, so, you know, get involved in those, you know, go to robotics club or, you know, like electronics or whatever, like any, any clubs that you have at your local schools, like get involved in those. Don't worry about being the only girl. Like it's more than likely that it probably will happen, but you'd be surprised on how much it's growing. Um, and just really apply yourself and, and get passionate about it. And like, if it's, if it's not, if you, there's certain parts of it that you don't maybe love, try and tie it into, into things that you do enjoy. So I, I would definitely recommend just obviously doing, getting, getting used to investing your own time and effort into re- researching things outside of school and then pick a good school that, um, that you think offers the program that you want, depending on what, field of engineering you want to go into and just you know get good grades see what those schools look for and put in your best effort in order to build a great resume to to get accepted into that school very solid advice indeed um now i wanted to ask you is is there a race on this year's schedule that you're especially looking forward to this year um I guess I'm really looking forward to racing on Spa. I think that's going to be a, a very special experience. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you too, and I've always really wanted to ask this question to a, a race car driver, especially one up and coming such as yourself. Um, what are your future goals? Would you like to 
to race in one of the big races like the Indy 500 or, or a NASCAR race or Daytona or just what are, what are your future goals? What would really just really jazz you to, to, to race in? What, kind, what type of races? Uh, my goal is IndyCar. Uh, so being a full-time um, entity IndyCar driver is mm-hmm. my ultimate goal. And why, why as opposed, because I know Jimmy Johnson, he just recently retired from NASCAR. And so now he's into, I think he's in open wheel cars now, not full time, I don't think, but. Um, he, yeah, he's going to do IndyCar. And so, with- yeah, he, yeah, he wanted a change. So um, what do you think about him doing that? And um, what do you love about Indy the most? Andy car racing. Um, I think it's amazing what Jimmy is doing. Like he is, I he okay. He I I just I guess I didn't mention him, but he's something I somebody I very much admire. He, you know, there's a reason that he's the seven-time champion. It's when you see him work and you're seeing him learn how to do this this new you know new skill, new challenge for him. He's just so engaged, and it's not you know he doesn't come into it. Oh well, I'm Jimmy Johnson. I should just be good at everything. You know, he comes in and he's very humble and he's learning listening to his engineers and and really embracing the new challenge and just trying to to understand it and and advance as fast as he possibly can and it's just you know he's just a normal guy doing what he loves and is going to give his best at it so I think it's awesome that he is doing that um what I love most about IndyCar I guess I would say it's um it's close. I like that it's closer racing than F1. I mean, I love open wheel cars. So racing an open wheel car is like nothing else. And it's extremely physically demanding. And mm-hmm. so I think like to be at the top in an open wheel series is just, it's just an, it's an amazing achievement and um, to wrestle the cars around and then to do it in such a competitive field, like, like IndyCar, you know, you could have eight different race winners and eight different, uh, eight different race weekends. So it's, it's so, um, it's very competitive and, and that's why I, I really want to be a part of it. So Saber, in your opinion, what does it mean, Saber, what does it mean for you to be a role model to young girls? It means everything to me. I, it's definitely one of my main motivators to, to keep going, especially in the tough times. And I, I think it's important that I was given, you know, people that came alongside me and gave me advice, whether, even though they maybe weren't females, but just having someone out there encouraging me that I can do this and, and to keep pursuing my dreams, even when, you know, people, people doubt what you do. So I hope that being out there and and being a, an example for young girls just inspires them to get involved in any way that they, they desire to. And I know, uh, getting girls in, involved in STEM too is very important and a huge movement in our country today. And the more they get involved with that, with those aspects of learning, the better. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing, like the STEM initiatives that are starting to come about. And I really think that people are starting to realize, hey, women are, they're actually pretty good at this. And I know I've, I've had the pleasure of being like a lot of uh, business owners or CEOs that will actually purposely hire females for certain things because they feel like they're more sometimes they're almost more detail oriented in some ways and it's just they give a different perspective so it's it's really awesome to see women start to get that recognition and there's more and more female CEOs coming in and 
uh, I just I think it's um, it's just a matter of time before you know things start to start to build into even more amazing things. I agree. I agree. I mean, it, all, all they need is an opportunity to succeed. And in the past, they weren't getting those opportunities. But now, yeah, but, but the big thing I do have to point out is you have to be able to create your own opportunities. True. Like you have to prepare. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, things are unequal. And, and, and for me, you need to be like, okay, maybe they're not equal or, or maybe they're, it's a little harder for women to break into things. But that doesn't mean that you, you don't need to be working your butt off every day to be prepared for those opportunities when they do come and then shedding light to other people and showing them that, you know, that, that we do need to be involved. Right. It, it, it takes that um, perseverance, that tenacity, um, that, that drive to be able to do that. And it sounds like you have it. I, I try to, I definitely, you know, it's, it's, I, it's not easy to have it every day. And I hope people understand that you're going to have days where it's harder than others and it's not always going to you're not always going to feel good it's not going to come naturally but um, you just got to say okay well tomorrow's going to be better yeah i think people seem to lose some sight sometimes that failure is a part of success you're not going to succeed all the time but as long as you strive to succeed um more times than oh. not you will yeah and failure is it, failure is success because if you don't fail, then how are you ever going to succeed? Like you learn from failure. Failure is essential to success. It's not, it's not the opposite. True. And it's like, you, if, if you don't try, you can't fail. So, exactly. so you have to, you have to put forth that effort and you sound very driven. And I, I love that. So <laughs> well, I have to thank my parents for that. They definitely, they raised me to, to be that way and led by example. So I'm just very lucky. Indeed. Indeed. Now, Saber, before you head off, um, tell everybody about your website and where your fans and others can follow you on social media. Yeah, my website is sabercookracing.com. I'm actually in the process of getting it redone. So it doesn't always have the most updated info. So it's more likely that you'll get really the, the most updated information if you follow me on my social media. Um, I'm Sabercook on Instagram and Sabercook Racing on Facebook, uh, Saber underscore Cook on Twitter, and Sabercook on LinkedIn as well. All right. Well, Saber, thank you so very much for making time out of your busy, as, as if I can get it right. Thank you. So, <laughs> thank you so much, Saber, for taking time out of your busy schedule to make time for doing the podcast today. I truly appreciate it. It's been an honor to have you on. And um, thank you so much. I really, it's, a, it's been great having you on the podcast today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's been great speaking with you. You're welcome. And good luck to you this season. Uh, thank I'm gonna you. Be, I'm going to be paying extra close attention to your races. So thank you, Saber. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Oh, you're welcome. So everyone... That is the end of this episode of Consumers, Cars, Tech Talk, and more with me, your host, Phil Scott. Everyone stay safe, take care, take care of one another, and we'll talk again soon.